certain language we use, like crisis, emergency, that feels insurmountable. It feels bigger than us. And absolutely, if we can make it smaller and more manageable, usually we feel like, hey, okay, I can deal with it. Maybe I'm going to need some help. Maybe it'll take a little time, but I can deal with it. I can handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, folks, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. Um, thank you for joining me. I'm your host. I'm Dr. John Duffy. And um, the whole idea here uh, with Undo Anxiety is that by sharing stories and ideas, uh, we experience less of the unnecessary anxiety that I think a lot of us suffer on a pretty regular basis. And I am fortunate today to be sitting with an anxiety expert, um, a friend and esteemed colleague, and now author of a book on anxiety, Dr. Helen Odesky. Thank you for joining me, Helen. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so I assume that somebody doesn't become an expert on anxiety if they've never experienced it. Is anxiety been part of your life? Yes, although I didn't always pick up on it. All right. So how did it, how, how did it start or how old were you when you were first aware of it? I actually think I was in my late teens, early 20s, um, but really when it hit me, I waited till it hit me really hard before I, I realized, boy, this, this really is anxiety. This isn't just oh, some little thing that I deal with from time to time. Um, and you were telling me a story about, about high school, this avoidance thing and, and, uh, that, that you had. Um, and I think a lot of us, when we experience anxiety, I've had, I, I do myself. Um, when we first experience it, we don't really have a name for it. We just know we're uncomfortable in certain situations and settings. Yes. How did it play out for you? So, so for me, it played out in avoiding the lunchroom, <laughs> as I think it does for a lot of people. And so what I would do, and, and nobody knew this, I'm sure, but I would volunteer at the writing center and I would help people proofread their papers and, and it was great because I got to get away from the lunchroom and it looked good on my resume for college. <laughs> so, so it really worked out if you think about it. <laughs> but in the end, I didn't deal with my anxiety. Right, right, right. So, and you had the perfect excuse, right? Oh, well, I have a reason. This is an important thing I'm doing. I'm editing here. Absolutely. Everybody <laughs> loved this. I think you're right. Like I work with kids now who kind of have some excuse to get away from their lunchroom, like somehow in that in those high school years, like that unstructured, loose social time seems like kind of the height of social anxiety for kids. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, kind of a kind of a nightmare yes. for a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, and and I've worked with kids who definitely find their way out of it, and then other kids who just are miserable for forty minutes a day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As have I. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you realize? Okay, that's. That's not just me, you know, like getting out of the lunchroom because I'm a little uncomfortable there. That's that's anxiety. When did you have that word for it? Uh, after I became licensed as a psychologist and had worked some and got hit with intense anxiety, this made sense to me. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting. Uh, that's the, that's true of me too. Like somehow we should be better at this, right? I mean, yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> but but it didn't hit me. The word didn't hit me until so much later in life than I think it should have. Like I work with kids now, and I marvel at them when they say, "Well, I'm here because I'm anxious." I'm like, "Well, how do you know that?" Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so so um, at what point during that licensing process did you realize, okay, this isn't working for me? 
Uh, I started to have severe anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. How did it manifest? Panic? Uh, yeah. So I would panic. I would have this like panic every day. I would drive to work. Uh, it never bothered me before, but I would just be, I'd feel like the cinder block on my chest and it was <laughs> daily and it was intense. It's, it's amazing to hear people, and, and you, you do this every day too, to hear people describe what anxiety feels like, a cinder block on my chest. You know, like I think if you're not anxious, you have no idea what, that, what that's like, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the experience of anxiety is fairly consistent between people? You know what I mean? Like, do you think um, panic for this person is the same as panic for that person? And, you know, the, the experience physically at the very least is the same? I, I see a lot of variation. I'd like to say it is, but I but I think that people sort of have different symptoms or symptoms that bother them less. I work with some people who, are, you know, are more bothered by the thought of passing out, and other people that you know don't worry about that at all. But the thought of of uh, like getting really sick with something bothers them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then some people, um, I don't know if you run across this. Some people think like in real time. I'm just going to drop dead. I mean, I, literally, you know, like... Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of people have that experience and they, they go to the emergency room. Right, right. Do you think, and, and based on your own experience and the experience of people you've worked with, do you think anxiety um, is, you know, just in the genes or do you think it's something we learn? I think it's both. I'd like to say there's a nice little answer that we've come up with, but there isn't. So the best we have come up with is... It's probably a little bit genetic, it's probably a little biological, and it's probably a little bit of what you grow up around. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. right. I, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if there were nice, clean answers. Yeah. And I think it's part of the reason it's anxiety is because nothing about it is real clean. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you go into this field, um, and I can imagine, being an anxious person myself, the last thing I was looking to really specialize in was anxiety because I just thought if I talk about anxiety all day, that's going to make me anxious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did you decide, um, yeah, I think this is what I'm going to really not just um, learn about and, and get better at but in my own life, but I'm going to focus on this professionally. So, so I've somehow been drawn to it without really putting two and two together before I actually sort of hit my peak of anxiety. And then I, and then I think having the experience just sort of spurned me on. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did your anxiety dissipate if it did? With a lot of work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, and is that, um, does, does your work, the work that you did to get through anxiety, and I assume that there could have been therapy, there could have been medication involved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's also uh, there there's a whole bunch of a whole host of ways to manage anxiety. Um, did you try everything? Uh, I didn't try medication because um, I was leery of it. Uh, but I, I I tried therapy. I tried yoga. I tried all kinds. I've read so many books. I mean, I, I read <laughs> almost everything out there. I did courses. Um, it, it it really was like a mission I was on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were driven. You were driven to eradicate it or at least control it and manage it and understand it. Yes. Yeah, and you were successful. Yes. You kind of you kind of have that in your personality that you're driven like that, right? I mean, you, you don't yeah. seem like you settle for like, no, I just don't get this. Like, you're going to figure it out. Yeah, I tried to. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it begs the question, I think, what do you do with somebody who's, not driven like that, who's anxious. You know what I mean? Because I think it takes certain tenacity. 
in order to manage it and eradicate it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you handle a client who kind of just says, you know, figure this out for me? Because I can't. <laughs> well, I, I think we have to discover sort of what brings them in in the first place. Because everybody hits up a point where they say, if things go like this, I am in for a world of trouble. And so once you get to the why, like, why do you want to work on this? Yeah. What's really bothering you about your life? I think you start movement. Yeah. It doesn't have to look the same for everybody. Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, um, I put this podcast together a few months ago and decided to call it Undue Anxiety because I'm, I play with this theory that we all suffer some degree of it. Um, even people who seem like they're wholly under control, who have no label for it, who are depressed or addicted to something or asymptomatic. I think we all almost culturally experience some degree of anxiety. Uh, am I right or am I, am I completely off on this? I, I think we do. I think there's there's a lot in our world. I think it's it's moving so quickly. I think there's so many changes that, that there is this cultural element. Um, we're, we're also lucky enough to live in a society where our basic needs are met. So so there is that room to explore. Like, okay, what what's going on with me emotionally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. Um, and do you feel like things are fast paced enough? And um, aggressive enough and there's enough media in front of us and screens in front of us that a lot of us ignore it? Do you, do you feel like there's a lot of people suffering unnecessarily? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I worry about that too, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I, I fear like that there's, I'm not sure how this will end up manifesting, you know, in our culture. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think, you know, um, the more, uh, media and technology and work becomes readily available. We fill our time so much that, you know, we just lead anxious lives. And, you know, and yeah. I, I love the idea that, you know, that you do the work that you do and, and try to try to help people through that. Um, what is what is a day like for you? You know what I mean? When you're work when you're at work, you know, like, mm-hmm. are you, is it, is it tricky working with um, one anxious person who presents in one way and then another anxious person who presents in a different way? Or is your approach pretty uh, linear and strategic, you know, all the way across the board? I'd say it's strategic. I, I wouldn't call it linear by any means. I, I think, um, but that's what makes it interesting yeah. and challenging. Yeah. So, um, which is part of why I love it. Um, but I think, but I think a lot of it has to do with managing, managing uncertainty, managing all these complexities that we deal with in our life. Yeah. Yeah. What um, What prompted you? So you said when you were trying to to manage your anxiety, you read every mm-hmm. book on the shelves, and and man, that's a lot of books, right? Yeah. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot written on anxiety. Yeah. What mm-hmm. prompted you to write mm-hmm. one? So as I was reading, there is a lot of contradictory information, and there's a lot of information that, that I consider outdated out there. And so when I had clients ask me, okay, what book should I read? It was really hard for me to pinpoint a book. I would say, well, read a few pages here, read a few pages there. And so so then I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I can write something to add to this. Right, right. What is the name of your book? The name of my book is Stop Anxiety from Stopping You. I like that. I like that. Um, do you, is there a piece of advice that's kind of like out there, and, and this is a negative question, but I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious, out there in 
in kind of the, the books and what we've learned in grad school, um, mm -hmm. advice for people who are anxious that you feel like, mm, that doesn't work? Is there, is there, yes. <laughs> what, 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 doesn't, what doesn't work, Helen, in, in managing anxiety? So this is my least favorite piece of advice that people get, which they get from well-meaning friends and, and family members, and that's just distract yourself. <laughs> because there is no way that you're going to distract yourself, and if you are, that probably won't help you one bit. That's so, uh, so critical. Do you think that actually makes it worse? Like, you know, just it just postpones something or... Yes, yeah. I do. When we don't deal with our emotions, I think it makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I picture people white knuckling through their distractions because it's not... You can't be successful doing that, right? No, and it's draining because the anxiety hasn't gone away. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and is there is there um, anything out there kind of that's been used for decades as um, a piece of advice for managing day-to-day -day anxiety that you feel like, mm, that's that's the best thing you can do, and there's a reason that that's kind of persisted through the years as, as good advice for somebody who's anxious? Yeah, I think uh, breathing, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. I think breathing is really um, underrated. I don't think it works for every situation, but I really think diaphragmatic breathing has been around for a reason. It helps. It helps manage our stressors. It, it, it doesn't work for when you're in the middle of a panic attack, but I think it works for almost everything else. Yeah. Um, have you seen this little thing? I don't, I don't know if it's, I think it's a, a, a little gif online. <laughs> um, yeah. It's this little, it's this little shape that kind of grows slowly and then shrinks slowly. And it says, follow, if you're an anxious person, follow that, breathe, you know, um, in and out, uh, along with the the shift in the shape of this object, and you will feel less anxious. Have you seen this thing? I have not seen it, but I love the idea. I got to tell you, it, it, it works. Like, I, I have literally uh, sought this out at times yeah. <laughs> and just, like, just uh, allowed myself to, like, stare at it. So if, you, if you're listening, that, that might be something to seek out because it, it's a really cool, like, mm -hmm. cue, you know? Yeah. Do you think there's a, uh, there, there's a mantra that works for anxious people, you know? Is there something you can tell yourself? Like, um, I remember going to a seminar once and um, and this woman insisted that if you can tell yourself all is well, <laughs> and it, I, I, I laugh at it only because I remember in real time, um, it reminded me of that Seinfeld episode where the guy yells, serenity now! Like, you know, <laughs> like forcing the issue, you know? Like, I will yeah. be, I'm not anxious! Um, do, do you think anything like that, like something that you, you know, just remind yourself in your, in your head, do you think there's anything that works in terms of a mantra? I think there are mantras that work, not that one. I, I fully agree with you that that is like yelling serenity now. Um, <laughs> telling yourself you're a calm person when you feel like an anxious mess does not work. I've never seen it work. Um, but but a mantra can be really useful if it's a mantra that is a work in progress. There is such an urgency that comes with anxiety that I think slowing down and maybe having a mantra that says, you know, every day I'm, I'm getting to be more skilled at managing anxiety or every day I find myself that things are getting a little bit easier or a little bit better. I think that that works to help the process if it's a process mantra like that. That's a great, I love that. I, I, I like the idea 
of process, right? Because it, it's non-judgmental in a way, right? It's like, yeah. you know, I'm moving. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in moving water. I'm not in a swamp. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Do you think, um, I love having you here. By the way, it's so fun <laughs> to talk to an anxiety expert about anxiety. Do you think anxiety is a cue? Like, um, I'll, I'll share briefly what a reference point in my own life. Um, mm-hmm. uh, years ago, I was an accountant, and it was clearly the wrong gig for me. Mm-hmm. And it took a couple years of daily panic attacks. <laughs> um, and I mean, honestly, like daily panic attacks yeah. that I medicated with Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> that probably did not work well. <laughs> One does not need to be an expert to recognize, oh, adding sugar and caffeine to the situation seems to make it worse. Yes, uh, so I, I also was uh, deep into adulthood before I realized how to manage anxiety. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I, I sometimes look back on my anxiety in those days as a cue, like my body telling my mind, like, hey, not digging this, you know, let's do something else with our life here because day mm-hmm. after day after day, yeah. you're making me miserable. You're killing me, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that, do you think anxiety is useful in some ways? Absolutely. I think sometimes if you're, if you're hit with persistent anxiety, it's a sign. And sometimes the sign is there's something in your life's just not working. And, and maybe it's just been years of, of avoiding something that's been difficult or a certain stage or a certain struggle that you've had. Um, and so absolutely, I can relate to, to what you're saying. I think that's a more common story than we imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then is it as simple as, and it's a loaded question because for me it wasn't, <laughs> but is, is it as simple as change the thing, you know, like change your career and then you're not anxious? I wish that I could say yes, but I think you've got to do some internal work before before that really yields any results. Yeah. 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 So, so there's... Um, there's cognitive work. There's work to do on the way you think and look at things, huh? Absolutely, because otherwise, it's like you said, you're just white knuckling yeah. through something, and what happens is you're just holding your breath, hoping that the next disaster is averted. Right, right, and right. It does not work. <laughs> right. If it's always avoidance and averting yeah. disaster, that's a really good point, Helen. Right. I mean, then then you're not really managing anxiety. You're just white knuckling. You're just yep. making it day to day to day till the next crisis. Yep. Um, I think about the the language that people I work with who are anxious use, and um, oftentimes um, th- there was a, a mom who called me. I've cited this before on this podcast, and she said, "Dr. Duffy, we need to come see you right away. We're in crisis here." And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, like, "Hmm, I wonder, you know." And 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 it, she had found um, pot in the car, so you know, mm-hmm. a, 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 yep. a, and um, and it got me thinking, like, I. I don't know if crisis is the right word for this. Like, that's a situation. It needs to be dealt with. But I mm-hmm. think we sometimes use this, like, urgent language in our minds. Like, you know, yeah. this is a catastrophe. This is a nightmare. This is a crisis. Instead of, like, this is a thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you think there's something to that? Like, if we tempered somehow the words that we use, that, that, that we could assuage our anxiety at least a little? Absolutely. I think certain language we use, like, crisis emergency that feels insurmountable it feels bigger than us and absolutely if we can make it smaller and more manageable usually we feel like hey okay I can deal with it maybe I'm gonna need some help maybe it'll take a little time but I can deal with it I can handle it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, this is and, and this is like maybe a little bit of a personal question but something you and I are also have in common besides being psychologists and, and having this interest in anxiety is 
we've both been drawn toward comedy and improvisation mm -hmm. um, at times. Um, and I remember when I first did improv, and this is, you know, half a lifetime ago um, for me, part of it was, and I didn't know this at the time when I signed up for this class, but mm -hmm. part of it was that um, I was able to short circuit the anxiety just because I didn't have time. You know, I didn't have I didn't have that moment to think about what I was going to say next. I, I uh -huh. had to just go. Um, and I, I find myself using that with clients sometimes like, you know, just don't overthink it, just act. It, has improv um, informed your work at all? Absolutely. It, it's not only informed my work, but I think personally, too, I, I've grown through it. I think, um, you know, when I, just to give you a picture, when I first started doing improv, I think in the first class, they say, why don't you talk about yourself for a minute? Uh, to this, this stranger that you just met. Literally and, a minute. Literally a minute. Yeah. So you get 60 seconds, which, you know, anybody would think, okay, this is really manageable. And and I remember running out of stuff to say at about 30 seconds and then just sort of going, hmm, like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> and the person next to me said, you look like a more interesting person than that. Like, do you have anything else? I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a great cue, right? Yeah. So how did you handle the rest of your minute? I I guess I kept I kept talking because <laughs> I had to. <laughs> this was part of the exercise. Do you think Do you think laughter short circuits anxiety too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I I think I think there's certain things that are incongruous with anxiety. I think laughter is one of them. If we're oh. really like in the moment laughing, I think we're like okay, we're we're really not anxious. Yeah. Um, I work with a young guy who um, has been anxious for a very long time. We've tried all sorts of different things. And one day mm -hmm. he came in. This, is, this is, was not an intervention of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, um, well, I ran a mile yesterday. And he hadn't, been, he hadn't exercised or anything. He hadn't moved his body in a very long time. I ran a mile yesterday. I felt better. You know, it was kind of mm -hmm. like that simple. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and he says... I think I think when you sweat on purpose, <laughs> when you sweat on purpose, you're you're gonna be less anxious because I don't think I could have been anxious running. Do you, do you think there's any veracity to that? I think exercise helps, but I also think there's there's like a nice piece of ownership in that story. Like like this young man made a decision to do something even though he had been anxious for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so that ownership part, how how critical is that? Like, you know, like really taking ownership of the process of moving through your anxiety and managing it as opposed to like coming to Dr. Odesky and dumping it on her lap and saying, OK, what do I do with this? Yeah. I, I mean, I think ownership is, is critical and I think it can happen while working with a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to take away your ownership. Don, right? I'm sure you don't take away ownership from your clients. And I think... Um, I think you you just really have to say, yeah, I this is mine to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of embarrassment. There's a lot of um, shame sometimes around anxiety, and so I think it's something we don't talk about enough. Yes. And so it's it's critical to say, yes, this this is a problem I have. Why do you think there's shame around it? You know, like I I th I find uh, that that people who are depressed, for example, feel less shame, I think, than people who are anxious. And I think a, a mm -hmm. lot of people look at it, and I'll, I'll admit that I did, as this profound weakness. What do you think that's about? 
I think it's about how invisible sometimes it is to the outside world. And so I think a lot of times people feel shame because on the outside, things look so good. Yeah. Yeah, you look perfectly fine. Yeah. And so it's almost like people feel, well, I must not be appreciating my life. Like what's wrong with me? Right. Right. That I'm massively anxious. (laughs) <laughs> when everything is fine. When everything is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're you're, you're so right. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking of somebody I worked with one time who was anxious in restaurants, and he was he would get so frustrated with himself because he'd look around at the faces around him, and he he would just think like nobody else looks anxious. Why? What is wrong? Why am I mm-hmm. feeling that? I'm doing. Yeah. We're, we're just sitting here and eating, and I'm. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm panic-stricken inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in diagnostic manuals and things, there's all these different kinds of anxiety. You know, there's OCD and there's panic disorder and there's, you know, um, a whole ho- general anxiety mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and a whole host of, of ways to be anxious. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do you think they all kind of... Um, are interrelated? Do you think they all come from the same place? I, I think at the heart of it, there's there's a lot more common than there is different. You know, if you talk to purists, they would absolutely disagree with me. Yeah. But I see a lot of commonalities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think the core is? What do you th- if you had to, if you know, um, TED Talk, you're in front of people, yeah. what do you think the core of anxiety is for people? I think it's managing those those uncertainties, like that uncertain future, that that uncertain decision, that, the things that we just cannot control. And so, so is part of the key, like um, accepting that there's a lot in life you're not going to be able to control. Yeah. Yeah. And in a real way, because I think a lot of us pay lip service to that. Like, oh, I know I can't control everything. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right, right. Yeah, right. We it's all recognize that. It's an intellectual that. concept I agree with. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, why do we have such trouble with that then? You know, if we can, if we can intellectually grab that, you know, and, and master that uh, ideally, yeah. you know, why can't we live with it? I think I, I think part of it is cultural. We engineer so many things in our life these days. I mean, you, just through your cell phone alone, you can basically engineer your whole day, your whole week, maybe your whole year. That's a really good point. Right. And you can't engineer kind of your emotional life no. to some extent. <laughs> right. That's a really good point. So yeah. sometimes there's something internal mm-hmm. we don't even have control over. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember uh, talking to a therapist early in my anxiety career and um, who encouraged me, like, you know, if you're feeling that kind of surge of anxiety, ride that out. You know, just uh, allow it to happen and recognize at the end that there no- there's nothing catastrophic that will happen to you, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that to be the hardest advice to follow, <laughs> you know, yeah. just because, you know, like there's this crest, there's this apex, you know, of anxiety, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like so hard to ride out. Mm-hmm. And so I would do anything to avoid it. Um, do you think yeah. that's good advice? I, I think it, it's good advice in the, in, for somebody that's been in treatment for a while that's got a lot of good skills because I think it's an advanced skill. Yeah. And I, and I think for most people who are struggling and in the thick of it, I think it, it's just a tall order. So I think you're better off saying, you know, this is finite. At some at some stage, 
you're going to be less anxious. So know right. that. Right, right, right. Um, and and, and ha- here's some skills until you get there. Um, so some of the anxious people I work with um, are overthinkers. Like, you know, that, so, so they'll have a decision in front of them and they will think through this decision, you know, a, a phone call that, that they have to make. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of somebody I worked with recently. Um, and he thought about, you know, 50 different ways this could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I found myself pressing like, just dial the friggin' phone and yep. say hi. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Is that right? Is that good advice? Yeah, that's excellent advice, John. Because Thank you. <laughs> that, that happens all the time, right? The more we think about it, the more it mushrooms in our mind, the bigger it gets. And you just want to really say, okay, let's just get it started. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think their anxiety is weird. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you know, I have this phobia about this thing and, you mm-hmm. know, I, there's something wrong with me. Right? That's terrible. Right? That's ridiculous. Um, how do you convince somebody that, you know, like, mm, being judgmental about it isn't that helpful? Uh, well, uh, it, it clearly hasn't helped up until now if the person's in my office. So this is just something to try on for size. And most people, once they do, and, yeah. and people do fight me on this, <laughs> they really do. Uh, but when, once we really get it to implementing this and get some self-compassion going in there, yeah. I think things get easier because you're, you're taking that, that whole layer of pain away. Yes, I like that. I like that. So, so the book is Stop Anxiety from Stopping You, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and without giving away the store here, because, you know, everybody needs to go to Amazon as soon as they're done listening and, and, and buy Helen's book, Stop Anxiety from Stopping You. But is there, is there a tidbit? Is there something out of the book that you can offer here, you know, like that gives somebody an idea of, you know, like, what am I looking at here? What, what makes this program different than anything else I've tried? Yeah, um, I, th- I think the the heart of the book is that it gives you a framework. So it's an acronym, and the acronym is UNLOCK. And it guides you through six steps for really managing the anxiety and panic. And you've really thought this through. I've yeah. read Helen's book, and it's, it's, it, um, it is very pragmatic, incredibly user-friendly, and... Um, and it it works like you know I played around with the idea in, in, in my practice and in my life and and it works so um, it it's uh, it's something I really encourage um, anybody who's exhibiting any kind of anxiety to um, to to pick up um, the part of anxiety that we haven't talked about the type is social anxiety mm-hmm. um, which I'm finding. So I've been I've been in in this gig for 21 years I think now and I'm finding more and more of that in the last few years. Do you find more mm-hmm. do you see more social anxiety than you used to? Yeah, I do. What do you think that's about? I think it's easy to insulate these days. I think with our phones and with technology there's just less interpersonal risk than we have to take. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right, right, right. So so does that heighten things when we are kind of interpersonal with somebody, like, you know, one-on-one, actually face-to-face? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a really good point. So so does, how doomed are we? <laughs> you know, given that, you know, like, you know, the technology's not going anywhere, you know, yeah. I think we're looking, yeah, I would imagine mm-hmm. as soon as we 
walk down the hall and we're done with this podcast, you and I are both going to have a look at our phones. Yes. um, You know, is this something, do you feel like, oh, we need to step back from the technology because that's going to increase our social anxiety. It's not going to manage it anymore. I don't know that we're doomed. I I, I really don't believe so. I, I think we need to start managing our relationship with the technology that we have. Ooh, how does that work? So, so I think if, if you're somebody that does have social anxiety and you're, you're noticing that your way of interacting is really less and less personal, make it personal. Put the phone down. Not forever, not with everybody, but just give yourself that step. Give yourself that challenge. See what happens. See what unfolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. So um, you, you shared with me before we started here a, a kind of something anecdotal that I think might help people uh, who mm-hmm. are who are suffering from anxiety. Do you mind do you mind sharing that with our listeners here? Absolutely, absolutely. So this this story has to do with something that that was unpredictable that that happens. So uh, about five years ago, uh, my husband and I took this trip to Italy, and it was an an eleven day trip where we were traveling uh, to a different city each day. And so when we got to Italy, we realized, boy, our luggage didn't make it with us. And so, you know, we had a few things with us and uh, we were going to make the best of the trip anyway. And so, you know, we were hiking, doing a lot of this. And uh, one day we were in this village, this fishing village called Vernazza in Italy. And it's, it's a hilly place. And uh, we're, we're just taking a hike. So I, I think I was resting in our in our room and... My husband went to go for a walk, and I thought, you know, I hardly have any clothes. I washed my tank top. It did like the Italians do. I put it on a clothespin outside on the balcony. I went to relax for a bit, and I came back, and I see that it's gone, <laughs> which ordinarily wouldn't be a big deal, except that this, you know, I virtually had no, no clothes with me, and this is one of my favorite tank tops. And so I'm thinking, what happened to this? <laughs> and, I, and I start looking around, and I, and I realize, because of how hilly the place is, it, it ended up landing on the rooftop below us. And so I'm thinking, I've got to get it. I've got to get it somehow. And so I start you know, looking ar- around this apartment that we rented. There's some hangers. I, I got my husband's belt out. You know, and I fashioned this like device to try to, to, try to hook it and really back in. Um, and it takes me a little while. It takes me a few tries, um, you know, but I am tenacious with this. Like, I, 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 I try to figure this out as best I can. And finally, I, I get it. I hook it and I reel it back in. And, and, and here I am, like, savoring this little victory on the balcony. And I hear this loud clapping. And I, and I look up and I see this whole group of people who had been watching me from another house that was probably 500 feet away. Um, they were probably watching me because theft is very rampant in Italy and they're probably <laughs> thinking I was up to no good until they figured out what I was actually doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. So so what is the upshot? What's the moral of the story here? Yeah, so the, so the upshot is that that I think even when, when the unforeseen happens, I think that we can rely on our own creativity, our own ingenuity, and, and that fundamentally and most importantly that there's always somebody out there, even unbeknownst to us, that's rooting for us. Oh, man. I love that. 
I love everything about that. First, the visual for <laughs> I love the idea. And I know I know you all enough to know that you had to be really tenacious about that and creative. And I and I love that like we all have that. We all have have that kind of um that that ability to be creative and to solve a problem, right? If we just like think it through and think mm-hmm. through the steps and, and you've got even if they're 500 feet away and they're they don't speak the language that right. you do, <laughs> there there are people out there rooting for us mm-hmm. that's awesome is there is there anything um in our broad discussion on anxiety that that um that we've missed is there anything that you feel like oh this is a point i want to make that we haven't talked about yeah i think I think people out there feel the same way you do. So if you're struggling with anxiety, you are not the only one. Even even if you're in a room full of people and it may seem like you are, trust that that if you were to take a little personal confidential survey, you would know that I think it, it's probably somewhere about two out of every hundred people that that have significant diagnosable anxiety, but probably a lot more if right. we think about day-to-day mm-hmm. anxiety that is affecting us. Wow. Yeah, right. Okay, so you're you're not alone, right? Yep. So for those 2 or 20 or 30 yeah. out of 100, um, if they want to get in contact with you and seek treatment with you or, or consult with you, how do they find you? The easiest way to find me is through my website, and it's www.yourchicagotherapist.com. Okay, and um, and your book? And my book is Stop Anxiety from Stopping You. On Amazon, right? On, on Amazon and, and everywhere that you find books these days. Dr. Helen Odesky, thank you so much for joining me here. It's this my a, pleasure. Thank you for fun. having me. We'll do yeah. this again, yes? Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. All right, folks, um, that's Undo Anxiety. Listen, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, liveleadplay.com, and WGN+. Plus. If you have any ideas for the website or you or somebody you know would like to be a guest on the website, uh, just give me uh, a quick email at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And on behalf of Dr. Helen Odesky and myself, um, we appreciate your time, and I will talk to you next time. Have a great day. Bye.